The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, learn about the foundation fighting blindness and just exactly what is ERPS. Welcome to ACB Reports for September 2020. For many years, most of us have heard of the Foundation Fighting Blindness, but many people know very little about it. Ben Shaberman of Columbia, Maryland, is the Senior Director of Scientific Outreach for the Foundation Fighting Blindness. During the ACB Virtual Conference and Convention, he discussed the ongoing work and research of the organization. I am Ben Shaberman. I'm Senior Director of Scientific Outreach at the Foundation Fighting Blindness. I've been with the organization for more than 15 years, and we're the leading private funder of research for inherited retinal degenerative diseases like RP, Stargardt disease, Usher syndrome, and we also fund tri-age-related macular degeneration. And we've been around uh, for about 50 years. We've raised more than $800 million toward our mission, and the past I would say 10 to 15 years have been very exciting for us as many therapies have now moved into clinical trials, into human studies, again, for many of the conditions that I talked about, RP, labor congenital amaurosis, Usher syndrome, and Stargardt disease. These therapies include gene therapies, stem cells, pharmaceutical therapies. Some of the therapies are designed to work across multiple diseases uh, or different gene mutations. And um, we continue to help companies and the research community move more of their treatments into clinical trials. Often when I do these talks, if I am able to talk for a longer period of time, I spend much of the conversation reviewing many of the clinical trials that are underway. What's exciting is many of the therapies are not only proving to be safe, which is important in a clinical setting, but they're also showing early signs of efficacy. Currently, the foundation's portfolio is about 80 different projects around the world. These include lab studies, studies to move uh, projects out of the lab into clinical trials, natural history studies, clinical trials themselves, and we also fund the careers of up-and-coming clinical researchers who both see patients and are helping advance treatments into the clinic. So the bulk of my talk, I'll be um, reviewing our no-cost genetic testing program and registry, but I did want to give you just a quick research highlight. Back in December 2017, the FDA approved the first gene therapy for any eye condition or any inherited condition. And that gene therapy is called Luxterna. It was developed by Spark Therapeutics that's now part of uh, the bigger pharmaceutical company Roche. 
The therapy is designed to replace mutated genes in people with RPE65 mutations, which cause both labor congenital amaurosis and RP. And this gene therapy has had remarkable results for those that have received it. Kids have put away their white canes. Um, They're able to see their parents and their friends' faces for the first time. Some can even see stars in the sky after receiving this gene therapy. So as the first gene therapy approved for the eye or an inherited condition, it's a very exciting development. And while it's just targeting one specific gene at the moment, it really is paving the way for the development of other gene therapies for other retinal conditions, be they retinitis pigmentosa, other forms of LCA, Usher syndrome, Stargardt disease, and there are even gene therapies in development for dry and wet AMD. And I'm pleased to say that the Foundation Fighting Blindness provided about $10 million in funding for this project to help get it in a clinical trial. So let's talk about genetic testing for people with inherited retinal diseases. If you are someone with RP, Usher syndrome, Stargardt disease, or any of the other inherited retinal diseases, getting a genetic diagnosis is very important. A clinical diagnosis is not necessarily conclusive. It's not until you find the mutated gene that you really know the underlying cause of your disease. And in fact, in about 15% of cases, when somebody does get genetically tested and they get the result, their diagnosis will change. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is teamed up with Blueprint Genetics to offer no-cost genetic testing for anybody with a clinical diagnosis of an inherited retinal disease. And once somebody does get a genetic diagnosis, that gives them a few advantages. One, it helps them, again, confirm their disease. It helps them understand the inheritance pattern, how that condition may be affecting other family members, what their risk is. And then many clinical trials that are underway will require a genetic diagnosis. So having uh, your gene identified is a great way to get into clinical trials. Now, the blueprint panel is ordered by your doctor. You don't order it. You go to your doctor, they go to blueprintgenetics.com, and they can order the panel. We have information on the Foundation Fighting Blindness website that you can give to your doctor, but they order the panel. And it's a very comprehensive panel. It screens for mutations in about 322 different retinal disease genes. It also screens for one of the more commonly mutated genes, RPGR. Other panels don't often screen for that. It can also screen for the harder-to-find mutations like copy number variants and intronic variants. And perhaps most important, when you do participate in this program, your personal information is never shared. There are other no-cost genetic testing programs that when you sign up for them, you are giving away your right to privacy. They do have the opportunity to disseminate or sell your personal information. And then once you get genetic testing, 
it takes about four weeks for the results to come. They come back to your doctor, but you're also eligible for no cost genetic counseling to get a counselor from informed DNA to help you understand those results. It's really important because the reports are even difficult for the doctors to understand, but the uh, counselors at Informed DNA will definitely communicate the information in an easy to understand way and help you and your family understand what those results mean. Keep in mind when people are genetically tested for an IRD at this point in time, they'll get a conclusive result in about 60 to 70% of cases. But if you don't get a conclusive result, informed DNA will help you understand the best path forward and uh, when to consider retesting. So that's the genetic testing and counseling portion of our program. We also have a patient registry where you can upload information about your disease, whether it's the genetic information, what your vision is like. Um, what activities of daily living you can perform, lots of information so that you can help researchers around the world better understand these conditions. The registry is called My Retina Tracker. It's global, it's free, it's highly secure. We never share personal information with researchers or companies, but it enables them to better understand these retinal diseases. We have about 15,000 people in the registry. We're working to up that to get more information out to the research community. And again, you manage your record. Now, if you're in our program and you get a genetic testing result, Blueprint will automatically upload it to the registry if you want. And also inform DNA, if you choose them for genetic counseling, which we hope you do, they will help you begin getting your registry record established. Now, the thing that I think people are most excited about the registry is you can get notified about clinical trials for which you may qualify. Again, we never share personal information with the researchers or the clinical trial recruiters. If you match their criteria, it's up to you to contact them. You'll be notified that you match their criteria. Then you contact the uh, therapy developers and let them know you're interested in their trial. Again, you can register at myretinatracker.org. And then to finish out my talk, I wanted to do a little shameless self-promotion. Again, I've been with the foundation for um, about 15 years. I've had the privilege and the um, honor to interview dozens and dozens of families who have been affected by retinal diseases. And I'm always inspired by the kids. They're my heroes. They're very courageous. They live remarkable lives. And so those interviews, those relationships that I've established inspired me to write a book called Retina Boy. And it's a sci-fi young adult novel. It's about a young um, child. He happened to be born without retinas and he mystifies researchers. They don't understand what his retinal condition is. But he grows up to have a really um, good life. He's an amazing rock guitar player. He's got a really cool, smart girlfriend. And ultimately, a little spoiler alert here, he's called upon to save the Earth and an alien planet of blind inhabitants. 
So the book was published by Apprentice House, Loyola University of Maryland, and I do have a few complimentary copies still available on Audible and Kindle. And if you're interested in getting your complimentary copy, you can email me at bshaberman at fightingblindness.org. That's B-S-H-A-B-E-R-M-A-N at fightingblindness.org. And if you want more information about the genetic testing or the research underway, you can go to fightingblindness.org. If you're interested in clinical trials, uh, you can learn about those at fightingblindness.org as well, or clinicaltrials.gov, which is hosted by NIH. And again, if you do have an inherited retinal disease, we strongly encourage you to register at myretinatracker.org. That was Ben Shaberman, Senior Director of Scientific Outreach for the Foundation Fighting Blindness. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. The Information Referral and Peer Support Program of the American Council of the Blind has the somewhat amusing acronym IRPS, I-R-P-S. ACB Advocacy and Outreach Specialist Claire Stanley says that while the abbreviation may be funny, the program has serious purposes and goals. So we are going to talk about one of our new steering committees that we've been working on for about a year now, maybe a little bit less, and that is the Information Referral and Peer Support, or as I like to affectionately call the ERPS Committee. So ERPS is made up of two different components. It spells I-R-P-S. So first we have the I-R, the Information Referral, and the second we have the P-S, the Peer Support. So I'm going to go through these both separately, the first column and then the second column, talk a little bit about what they mean, what they look like, the definitions, and then kind of our plan of action as we move forward. It is a new steering committee, so we're still in kind of the infancy of planning, but I'm so happy to say that I have great people I'm working with on these, so shout out to all the great people I'm working with. So first we have the information referral or IR, and that's kind of just what it sounds like. So I often like to use the word data or fact-based with information referral. We get literally thousands of calls every month here in the ACB office from people who are looking for different resources um, related to blindness. So maybe they've just lost their sight and they need to be connected with their state services. Um, Maybe they're looking for technology. We get a lot of people who are looking for eyeglasses or things like that. So I call those the fact-based things that people are looking for. So that's the information referral, the fact-based thing. So because of that, we're trying to put together, I use the word database a lot because it sounds fancy. We're trying to put together a database of information so that when people call, we don't have to frantically Google to find the answer. We are happy to Google but how much more efficient would it be if we had those answers right there at our fingertips? And then we could then share that information with our affiliates as well. Sharon Lovering, shout out to Sharon. She has done a great job answering a lot of these calls for years now. So she's actually developed some of her own cheat sheets, as she calls them already. So we're taking those cheat sheets and uh, integrating those into our database as well. Um, So thank you for all your hard work, Sharon. But we're going to go above and beyond that. What we did, one of our first things was create a list of what I call the 20 commonly most asked questions. So those are the things that people like me and Sharon and Kelly and all the people who answer the phones, they're the most commonly asked questions. And they're probably things you think about like, 
I just lost my vision. Where do I get help from? Or I need a new white cane or I need assistive technology. So we've identified those 20 questions. And based off of those 20 questions, we're trying to collect all the data from all over the U.S. on where people can go to get those resources. So right now, it's kind of just a, I'll use the word vomit endearingly, a vomit of information. And we're trying to put that all together in a cohesive way so that when people call, again, we don't have to frantically Google, but that we can have that right there. So we're combing through all the resources. One thing that we are recognizing, though, and again, it is in its infancy, so we're going through the growing pains and uh, learning how to do it, is that we want to make sure that the information is kept up to date. It's really easy to create a list of information, put it in a file somewhere, and then two years later have the same list. But we realize that phone numbers and emails and things like that are constantly changing. So one of the things our steering committee is doing is developing some kind of process to whether it's on a monthly basis or some kind of reasonable and appropriate time frame to constantly update the information so that when we give people information, it's effective and reliable and we can feel confident in what we're giving them. Right now, our list is more like just big computer files with all the information. I'm just putting this out there. We've talked to Dan about it. Ideally, one day, we'd love for it to be something a little bit more technical, something more computerized where you can just do, 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 do. I'm doing uh, air typing right now. Uh, you can put in what you're looking for and it'll pop right out. Of course, that's long to, you know, a long-term frame. Um, who knows when we'll get there, if we can get there. But that's kind of the ideal is that it's something very quick and effective. When it comes to putting together these resources, we, of course, want to work closely with the affiliates. And just to let you guys know, affiliates, you are some of our resources. If someone calls and says, you know, I live in the state of Oklahoma and I need assistive tech, one of our resources that we're going to refer people to is the ACB Oklahoma Affiliates. When we provide information referrals, we want accountability. We want to make sure that when we provide resources to people, we know that they're getting out there. We want to develop a process where we even check in two weeks later, a month later, whatever we determine is the important time frame to make sure that that information was helpful and that people used it. And then again, going back to the idea of checking in on the timeliness of the data, you know, is that phone number still working? Because heaven forbid we give someone a phone number they call, it doesn't work. No one ever calls them back. And then they just kind of say, well, I tried and nothing happened. That's not what we want happen. We want to know that ACB is giving out helpful and useful and timely information so that people can get the resources they need, get the assistance they need. So that's the IR of ERPS, the information referral portion. So second is the peer support or the PS. These two really build on each other. Like I said, the information referral is more fact-based, whereas I'm going to talk about the peer support is a little more personal-based, but they really build off of each other. You can give somebody the phone number or the email address under information referral, but that can then start to bleed into peer support. So what's peer support? Well, as the word peer implies, we want to literally connect people who call to real live human beings who can assist them. We all know what it's like to, when you first lose your vision, maybe you want to meet other people in the same boat. For our students, we do it all the time with ACB students. When you're starting college, as somebody who's blind or visually impaired, you're a little bit nervous. You want to meet other students who have been through it. That's peer support. We're already doing it in certain extents through our different affiliates. So 
that's what we really want to work on and support and hope grow that we can have that real peer support within ACB. I know for me, when I was a scholarship winner years ago, and I got involved with ACB students, that was a great way to have peer support. You know, what do I do with my new textbooks? That kind of thing. ERPS is just an extension of what we've already been doing. Again, we want an accountability process so that when we connect somebody, so what if someone calls and says, hey, I live in Orlando, Florida, and I just lost my site and I really need some help. And I say, I know the perfect person. His name is Dan Spoon. You guys are going to hit it off. He'll give you all the answers. And I email Dan and I say, hey, Dan, can you talk to this person? And Dan, being the awesome person that he is, says, of course I will. Well, what happens in a month if that person calls me back and says, Dan never called me? I'm going to call Dan up and say, Dan, what are you doing? Now, of course, we know that would never happen. So potentially two weeks after I make the referral, I'll shoot Dan an email and say, hey, Dan, did you meet up with his or her name? Because I want to make sure that they get the peer support they need. So that's where the accountability comes in. To make these peer support recommendations, we're first starting in ERPS with the affiliates and committees that compose the ERPS steering committee. And a lot of those are kind of um, interest-based affiliates and committees. So it's made up of groups like ACB Women, SASE, uh, BPI, several others. So with those groups, we're bringing together uh, groups of people who can really provide those peer supports. And so in order to get um, some of that peer support started, we're working with those committees and affiliates. I'm building up an actual concrete list of people who are willing. So I might say, hey, ACB women, if a woman calls in the future and she wants to meet other blind women, who can I connect them with? And so we're going to have a real life phone number right there that we have right at our fingertips to connect them. Another thing that we are trying to do under the peer support now, because we're in its early stages, although this is something that can forever evolve and grow and change, but in its early stages with peer support, we're trying to identify some of the more commonly identified groups of people or areas of a need that we're seeing to connect people with. So like I said, under information referral, we have the 20 most commonly asked questions. So this is kind of the equivalent of that on the peer support side is what are some of the most commonly requested groups of people that we might want to be able to identify to quickly have phone numbers available for people? So maybe we're going to identify a woman. Maybe we're going to identify someone from the LGBT community. Maybe we're going to identify parents because, you know, new blind parents might be calling. Maybe we're going to identify students. So in its early stages right now, we're identifying those categories of people that peer support would be especially helpful for. So right now, kind of like I talked about with information referral, I'm kind of swimming in a lot of different ideas, but I would love to hear from you guys. So feel free. I'm calling it the two sides of peer support. One, if you have categories of areas that you think peer support is needed. So whether it be students, employees, athletes, siblings, et cetera, et cetera, feel free to shoot me ideas via email. And then on the other side, if you feel like you could actually be the peer support for one of these areas or a new area, let me know. I'd love it. You know, love to hear it. Um, I always like to volunteer my colleague Clark Rockball um, because I love to give him more work. No, I like to volunteer him for the athletic part because I'm not an athlete, but he is. So if somebody calls in and says they want to know about accessible athletic programs and sports, 
I'm going to say, hey, let's put Clark down in the database as an athlete in the blind community. So if you think you know of someone else, and of course, ask their permission, we'll get consent. Or if you yourself think you fall into a category and you say, hey, I'd be a great attorney for law students who are blind, um, let me know as well. So you can send me those ideas or those people at my email address, cstanley at acb.org. We're really in the infancy of taking all that data and swimming through it. I love swimming through it. So feel free to email me whatever you like. And again, we really want to work with affiliates because you guys are already kind of the default groups who fit a lot of these characteristics, especially our special interest affiliates. You know, we have people who fit into these categories already. So we really hope to work closely with the special interest affiliates and of course the state-based affiliates as well. And then just to emphasize again, we would hope to get this in some kind of computerized database eventually. But right now we're just making pretty files that are totally usable by all of us. And that's great. And again, we need to keep this list up to date. I hate to put somebody on the list as a student referral. And five years later, we give it out and the person says, well, I'm not a student anymore. Or, you know, heaven forbid someone leaves ACB or passes or all kinds of different scenarios. So uh, we're going to make sure that we keep a close eye on this list as well and keep it up to date. So again, we have the information referral and peer support, the two sides, the two pillars. First, more fact-based referrals. So phone numbers, emails, addresses, that kind of thing. And then peer support, really putting people who are in need, who have questions with the real life person who has lived that experience and can provide some kind of peer support for that person. You can always email me as well, again, at cstanley at acb.org. We'd love thoughts and ideas from everybody on what's important because I'm only one person with my own lived experience as far as what issues are important to cover. Um, so I only know what it's like to be me, who, uh, as a woman who lives in my geographic area, who's lived my life. I don't know what it's like for other situations, other genders, other ethnicities, other geographic locations. Insert a million other variables yeah. here. So that's why we want to hear from you guys because you have other lived experiences that you can say, hey, I'd really like support for in this area. Things that I'm not intentionally leaving out, but I just don't know. So that's why we want to hear from you guys. And you can always find me on our webpage as well or just call the national office and I'm here. And another great thing that um, we can do with the community events that we have is as we start to see trends and questions that come up for peer support, we can then um, coordinate with Cindy to put on more community events that identify those issues. So for instance, during COVID, we definitely started to see some patterns of issues that were coming in because COVID impacted all of us, obviously in different ways, but also in similar ways. And so we started putting on some community events to help people through COVID. So the same thing, if we start to see patterns of questions that come through the office that we would generally um, connect people through peer support, we'll still, of course, connect them via peer support. But we can also say, hey, we're seeing this trend. Let's put together a community event to bring together students or parents or insert here. I mean, there can be so many different things. So that's the great opportunity we have is to work with Cindy and community events as well to bring people together. That was ACB Advocacy and Outreach Specialist Claire Stanley explaining the information, referral, and peer support program of the American Council of the Blind. 
You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports. ¶¶